Hey, what's up, y'all? The Vinny Rock Podcast. I did a podcast with my boy at uh, his little location. We did a kind of a live feed. Uh, so this this podcast coming up right now is going to be that. You guys can check it out. There's a big discussion right now and arguments over the rat's tourniquet and the cat's tourniquet. And uh, just because I did time in the tactical medical space, uh, I'm kind of familiar with the argument. And I thought it'd be fair for everyone to have a, an equal voice in the fight. And so I gave my boy... Um, Jeff Kirkham, the opportunity to explain himself. So you guys get to check out this podcast. It's pretty cool if you guys in the tech medical world, or even if you're interested in buying some kind of uh, tourniquets for your kids, for your kids, understand the research and make sure that uh, whatever tourniquet you use is best for them. I'll just say it that way. Um, you guys know the sponsors that I have on the podcast. Don't forget them. Willie Peach Chocolate, my man. We're still working on getting that hot sauce out. It's been it's been a little crazy. Um, Willie Peach Chocolate, he's a veteran. He makes it out of his own home. Everyone who's tried it has not been disappointed, and I promise you that. You guys go check out Willie Peach Chocolate Co. on Instagram uh, and WillyPeachChocolate.com. Chocolates with an S dot com. Check them out. Fucking A. Uh, Beyond Clothing. Beyond Clothing is another one of my sponsors. I, I'm, we've both been so busy, it's been hard to link up with these guys. But Expeditionary Closing Systems, you guys check them out. I got all kinds of stuff I, I'm, I'm hoping to buy. And, um, you know, I've obviously recently gotten to the mode where since I'm living in Utah, I need to start learning how to hike and camp. Not the military version of it, but actually hike and camp. And so Beyond Clothing is my go-to store. That's where I'm going to go get all my gear for it. So you guys check them out, Beyond Clothing, beyond.clothing on Instagram. Temple 57, you guys already, man, it was crazy. The other day, Temple 57 calls me up and says, hey, man, we need some dog handlers in Los Angeles. Uh, there's some opportunities out there. And still, if you were a dog handler and you were in California or, or, or willing to relocate on your own dime, in California, there is work for dog handlers. You let me know or you hit up Temple 57 and they'll find you some work. Um, if not, the next contract that comes out that's a big one, I'm going to... I'm going to let you know, like I do on social media, and we'll try and get you those jobs filled by veterans. My goal is to try and get more veterans opportunities, but not even that. Even law enforcement officers that have the experience that look for it. Um, anyone, really. But those are the two, really, the markets that I try and uh, make sure they get, uh, you know, I guess, opportunity. Boom, boom, boom. Perseverance Survival. Perseverance Survival makes the hoodies. I just, damn it, I just got my new hoodie with the zipper. It's a full-on zipper, will be hoodie. I forgot it at the house. I got to get that. Damn. I'm glad I reminded myself about that because I get so many things sent to me and I got that and I put it in the other room and I forgot about it. So don't forget, we'll be hoodies over there at Perseverance Survival, Perseverance underscore survival. You could check them out at PerseveranceSurvival.com. Get your will be hoodies now and they now you can have a, a limited time. They have the zipper all the way down, which is to me is freaking, I don't know, it's fucking perfect. It's awesome. Awesome. Core Medical Group. Core Medical Group just donated. There was a, there was a competition, and um, Rob uh, Hetrick, Rob Hetrick was able to, he won it, and he won uh, a free blood work, a new patient sign-up, and a doc consultation. So that's pretty cool, man. So you guys, you guys know I use Core Medical Group. Core Medical Group is where I get my TRT from. Uh, I've tested low T for years and I finally have a company who can send it directly to my house and it's very convenient and it's cost effective so you guys check it out if you guys have any questions hit me up core medical group boom 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 and that's all for today you guys check it out the podcast pretty interesting one if you like the tackle medical world if you like if you like to hear the argument and a good debate uh, you'll get to hear one side of it here um, and you can find the other side of the arguments all over the social media if you're interested but um, me personally if you guys are asking there's a lot of uh, options. You can hit me up personally. I'll give you my, my answers on what tourniquets I use for what. All right. You have a good day. Bye. Video Rock. Hey, what's up, guys? It's the Video Rock Podcast. This is actually a new platform we're doing. We're going to try and do some of these podcasts live, hopefully all of them from now on. Yeah. Um, cool. And pretty excited about this. I'm obviously using the ReadyMan uh, facilities for this. Thank you for, for making this happen. Always welcome. Yeah. Always always reaching out to help the family. There you go, man. Um, if you guys don't know who this is, this is my good friend, Jeff Kirkham. Um, and Jeff Kirkham, if you don't mind, please uh, just 
a quick bio, you know, what you're willing to share. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so the people that are listening and watching can, can know. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jeff Kirkham. I run Ready Man, um, which is a emergency preparedness, prepper, survivalist, survival. You know, we do survival gear and training. Yeah. Um, and then we also, we're big on media and tutoring videos that uh, to push out to preparation for like disaster. And it's, and we try to encompass as much as we can. Um, hurricane, tornado, all the way up to, you know, post-apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, we wrote that just recently yeah. released our novel, uh, Black Autumn. So I do that. And then I'm also, uh, I also run uh, Rats Tourniquet and I'm the inventor of the Rats Tourniquet. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you're, you have some extensive military history as well. Yeah, I did, uh, did 28 years as a Green Beret intermixed in there as a law enforcement officer for a little bit. And then war kicked off and I, and I went back over and, and, uh, uh, was on the invasion and then ended up getting recruited into a counter terrorist unit. Um, so I was in that unit for 13 years and, um, racked up, you know, years and years and years, uh, on the ground over in Afghanistan and Iraq working with, uh, you know, lead training and advising, um, indigenous forces. So it'd be, uh, four or five Americans and we would have 200 yeah. Afghanis or Iraqis that we would, um, we would, uh, we'd train them during the day and then the target packets would start coming in, you know, late afternoon and then we'd spin up, we'd go through the planning cycle and then it was like, okay, I mean, grab your, uh, grab your rifle. Let's go. Let's do it. Hopefully you were paying attention in class. <laughs> Hopefully you listened <laughs> enough that you know how to do this. And like, I've heard a rumor or something like you've spent uh, somewhere around eight years, you know, overseas. Yeah. Just, uh, if you add up, uh, if you add up all of the time that I was over there, yeah, it was just over eight years that it, between, um, Iraq and Afghanistan. So going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I was averaging Great. about nine months out of the year, um, for the early days of the war. And then, um, and then I, then I slacked off to about, you know, six to six to seven ish months out yeah. of the year over there working. Crazy. This is, so this interview is probably coming like years too, too late. We should have been doing this a while ago. <laughs> and so I'm excited to finally have you now. Um, it's always, you know, I want to make sure that I, tell your story the way I think it needs to be deserved, deserving to tell. And as well as you're the type of man, it's hard to get information out of as in like, you're not going to boast about yourself, which is something I, I admire and I respect. And, and it's something I, I try myself to be more like, but, um, you know, I think what's happened in, in the Ranger community and in, in the special operations community itself, uh, not the Navy SEAL, but, but, <laughs> but a lot of us were raised in, in the mindset of, uh, being quiet professionals. And so we've kind of hurt our own recruiting. We've hurt our own history by not telling our story per se. And, and not for the purpose of being uh, boastful or, or, or any other reason, but just to be able to tell the story for history's sake and yeah. for the, for the men who's, who've passed behind us. You know, my, uh, my, my first Sergeant major was a guy by the name of Pete Bell, you know, RIP passed away. Yeah. Um, he was a Vietnam vet and, um, he had been a Mac V SOG guy and he was, um, he, he was a fascinating guy. And for the folks out there that don't know who Mac V SOG are, they were the guys that were tied into the CIA. They were special forces. They were green berets that were on duty that were working with, uh, the agency programs that were over there and they're doing cross-border operations into Laos, Cambodia. Yeah. And, um, he actually was one of two guys that survived of a team they jumped in, they parachuted in to do a reconnaissance on a company of North Vietnamese and, and they ended up um, basically parachuting into the middle of a battalion of North Vietnamese. It's just an absolute fascinating story. And, um, you know, and I told, I told Pete, yeah, I was like, Pete, you have got to write this stuff down, man. Yeah. I was like, because the lessons you guys learned in Vietnam, the creativity, the, the out of the box thinking, the solutions, um, I was like, you've got to write this down so it doesn't get lost. And and he was like, yeah, you know, I need to do that. And then, you know, six months later, he died of a heart attack doing oh, a PT test. And I, and I and I remember thinking, damn man, what a loss of the, of knowledge. And that's kind of that's exactly my argument is is that there's so many stories like that, right? That need to be told. I think for 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 the better of just the history of America, right? Mm-hmm. From history of, of what we've yeah. done overseas, and not even that, and just to, to show what some of these units and some of the sacrifices have have been for, yeah. you know. And and that's the hardest thing is that the quiet professionals, I think, is kind of hurt our own history. Like my son says, "Dad, I want to be a Navy SEAL," and you're like, "Wait, whoa, wait." 
What are you talking about? Because he hears it through mainstream media yeah. and everything else, you know? The SEALs, the SEALs are great at yeah. the, um, the recruiting game. And, you know, it's like the, the SEALs and the Marines. I'm not sure what if you're a Navy guy or Marine. I don't know what they do with those guys, but yeah. they have got phenomenal esprit de corps. Yeah. Like Marine, just Marines in general oh, have, my, my, have, have amazing esprit My father's de corps. pinning on my Ranger tab and says, you're almost as good as a Ranger, uh, as, as a Marine now. And I'm like, whoa, dude. Like, and, it, and it's like, yeah. I see that I've got a couple of dudes in, in the ready man crew that yeah. are former Marines. And it's like, they do this secret handshake or something. <laughs> I'm like, did I miss something? But you know, in the army, I, I don't know what it is. You know, the SEALs are great about, you know, helping each other out and yeah. stuff. I don't know what it is in the army though. We, we tend to, it's more like a gang. It's like a gang initiation. I remember like when I went through, uh, when I went through, um, you know, some of my training in the army, yeah. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know how much I learned. I feel like it was a gang initiation. I, I survived. So I guess I'm part I guess of the group. I'm in. I guess they're going to drink a beer with me now. Is that how it works? <laughs> well, dude, I talk about that because I think there's so much to your story that people don't know. Right. And right now what's going on is, is obviously there's a, you know, the reason I even contact you and say, Hey, let's do this podcast is because there's a lot of heat getting thrown your way on, on, on who are you and why is the drama in the, in the TCCC community, the tactical medical community mm -hmm. about the rat's tourniquet and, and the issues between that and a cat's tourniquet, right? And it's two different owners. If you guys don't know about it, we're going to explain more in a little bit, but so much drama in that. And, and it's funny. So when someone posted a picture on, online and says, who's this guy? You know? And I'm like, what? Like, for, for people to not know, you know, Jeff Kirkham's story for me is an interesting thing because I think you've done so much. Uh, it, it's, I can almost, I can almost say there's, there's very few guys who have an extensive career as you, as well as who's achieved so much outside of the military mm -hmm. as in books you've written inventions. I mean, this is just one of multiple different inventions that you yeah. have patents on, um, instructions and, and you provide so much value for the people that are out there looking for information and for someone, I guess, to not know your name. Um, obviously you're not a Vincent Rocco Vargas. You're not a Matt Best, right? You're not the type of personality that's going to be putting yourself out there very much and, and for the sake of, uh, of comedy or whatnot, but you are someone who puts yourself out there for the sake of providing value for other people. And so, um, when the conversation comes up and like, who is he and what's he doing and, and is he being shady and all this, I'm like, wait, 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 I'd rather have Jeff on here to explain himself, yeah. you know, and the argument goes this, if you guys are listening right now, it's, it's, there is, there is some debate over what is the best tourniquet out there for practice for, for use, um, in the military and me being in the military, obviously, and also working for the company that sells this, um, it was very common. It was easy. For, I didn't know any tourniquet besides the one they handed me. The first time I got to Ranger Town, we had the ratchet. Strap. Yeah, the ratchet. Yeah, Ranger ratchet. Yeah, the Ranger ratchet. So mm -hmm. we put it on. We ratchet it, and obviously the issues with that is you, you can ratchet that thing so fucking tight it, it becomes. Yeah, but, it's too much of a mechanical advantage. Right. Yeah. And so it becomes an issue. And so then from there we started getting the rats. I mean, excuse me, the cat's tourniquet is the only other one I've seen. Later on in my career, I started to see the soft tee. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. And so the cats has gone through several different variations of it by the time it is now. I think right now it's on eight seven seven yeah um and and so it's the only one i've ever been issued it's the one i've been issued the one that i used the one that i believed in because why it was the one that was given to me um and then i learned more about it and I, i've i've learned a lot to say that it is a good tourniquet until i go and start learning more about yours and start reading some of the articles you post and then it goes to this interesting conversation where like huh maybe i need to research more and I'm not saying anything bad about the company. I'm just saying me as a user, as someone who's been overseas, someone who, who, who actively it trains to use a tourniquet on a, on a, on a situation, whether it be the border patrol and special operations or not. Um, I always want to use the best possible thing I can for the person I'm serving. And so that's where the questions are. And, and, and that's what we leave us here today about, please explain to me, you know, what is the issue that's going on right now? And, and, well, I, I think first and foremost, right. Is like, what is the, you know, what is the best tourniquet? And, and, um, and I'll, I'll ally all, all, uh, myths and, and all of that. The best tourniquet is the one that you have on you. Right. Bar none. I mean, the, the, the market, there's, there's a bunch of, when I first came out with a rat's tourniquet, there was, there was almost nothing that was out there. Right. And, and I, and I knew that I wasn't going to get into the military. Um, and so I was like, well, I'll look at a domestic application for this thing. It was like way, way, way. That was still back when people thought that if you used a tourniquet, you were going to lose the limb right. and, and some of these other urban myths. 
And, you know, but the, but on the market, there are, there are actually, there are a bunch of really great tourniquets yeah. that are out right now. And, um, and so that's why I say the, the best tourniquet is the one that works for you. It's like, what's the best handgun? Right. What's the best rifle? What's shooter preference? What's right? what's the best set of tennis shoes? What's right. the best what's the best car to drive? And you know, and it's like all of a sudden you get this user preference of like, you know, I like this one because it seems to work better for me and for my family. Right. You know, because generally speaking, when we go through life, you know, as dads, yeah. we think about first and foremost is like, okay, is this good for my family? Is this good for my kids? Right. Is this good for, okay, then next is like, okay, is this good for me? Can I, can I make this work? It's like, I, I drove, I've driven minivans for yeah. years and years and years because it's just like, well, one, it's, it's economical Two, like I'm over 40, so I don't really care about being cool anymore. <laughs> you know, three, I got kids so they can jump in the back and four, I'm always tinkering with stuff and buying random pieces yeah. of stuff for whatever invention that I'm working on at the time. So I could just throw it in the back of the van. And, and I was kind of like one of Napoleon's soldiers, you know, Napoleon, he was, he was kind of one of the guys that in a, in a, in a similar kind of way to the Germans, he, he did kind of a blitzkrieg esque, uh, attack. And yeah. that's one of the reasons that Napoleon that, and he was phenomenally good with artillery, Napoleon being an artillery man himself, but they would ride their horses into the ground because they were just like, it's a tool for war. I'll ride this thing into the ground. And when it dies, we'll eat it. And I'll jump on another one and we'll, and we'll ride that thing. So for me, for like minivans, it was yeah. like, I'm not cool. This thing's never going to be cool. I don't care. I just drive them until the wheels fall off, get rid of it. You know, we'd usually do it like a ready man series, like breaking into it or yeah. something, teaching people how to hotwire and stuff. And then it'd be like, okay, send a scrapyard and I jump in my new, in my other one and keep on driving. So, right. so it's, it's, it it's utility, right? So right. what makes the most sense for you, depending on your own personal <laughs> circumstances? Right. Yeah. And so, and so then their argument goes is, you know, there's a lot of people saying pretty negative things about you. And, and the funny thing is like, I don't think a lot of people know who you are and what you're trying to do here. Right. You know, I think mm -hmm. your whole intention is if you can provide something that works for the user, you know, for, for the operator, for, for the, for the soldier, or whatnot, that's going to benefit them, then, then you're going to, you're going to do so, right? Like all I want to do is provide more value to other people. And so that's exactly what you're trying to do for our men in service and as, as well as law enforcement officers. And so, um, the argument now is, you know, I guess in the TCCC world is how thin it is, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, and that goes through, um, some of the, some of the arguments that go against it and go for it and yeah. whatnot. And I would argue the, the interesting, so, the interesting thing about the story of this um, is, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, I was in Afghanistan yeah. and we were assaulting a target. And um, there's several Al-Qaeda HVTs, high value targets were inside that we were going after. And um, anyway, so we were, you know, we're approaching the place we were getting set. Men are up on the... Um, men are up on the lining up on the gate so that we can flood into the compound. Right. And then boom, all of a sudden we've got gunfire coming through the, coming through the gate. You know, a guy stood on the other side with his Kalashnikov and opened yeah. up on us. So I had two of my men went down with gunshot wounds to the legs. And, um, we immediately jumped up there, grabbed these guys, pulled them down, get them out of the line of fire in the, uh, in my Afghan medics. Remember it's like this stuff, there's like two Americans there, two, three right. Americans. And I'm surrounded by my own commandos. And yeah. it's like moments like this where it's like, oh my gosh, I hope I did a good job training these guys right. because yeah. my life depends on what they do at this moment. And so I look down at the, you know, at the medics to see how our guys are doing. Right. And it's, you know, it's night, it's high stress because there's gunfight going on right now. Um, we're wearing NVGs, you know, yeah. night vision devices. We're wearing gloves, you know, for assaulting. And I, I sat there and watched my, my indige medics struggle with the tourniquet that we were issued. And I, and I was like, hey, you know, that's interesting. And then, and then later on, you know, we got everything cleaned up and, you know, captured these guys and, and, um, you know, those same men that had tourniquets on their legs yeah. were, were trying to pull them off. They were trying to take them off because it was causing so much pain to them. And, and so that was one of those moments where I was like, man, that, okay, there's, you know, something clicked off in the back of my head and I was right. like, well, okay. And then a couple of months later I'd rotated back. So I, I used to go over for, um, several months and then I'd come back for, um, you know, a 
couple of months and then I'd go back over for several months. And when I'd rotate back, I would, I would, um, train people because yeah. I'd love training Americans and stuff because right. they ask really interesting, great questions. You know, they love to, you know, they love to debate, you know, the, this, that, and the other, which is great because as an instructor, that makes me think about yeah. what it is that I'm doing, where I've can, where it's like, I can't browbeat, uh, you know, some special operations guy into yeah. understanding, you know, the nuances of a technique or B technique. Right. And so I've got to be able to provide evidence and right. data and stuff and common sense. So anyways, I, I rotated back into the States and I was helping to run a course for the PJs, the pararescue men. And if you don't know who a pararescue men is, they're, they're highly, highly trained trauma medics. And, yeah. um, and they, and they're highly trained enough that they get cut to special for even special forces. We have 18 deltas, but they'll cut them over to, to the seals and, yeah. to, you know, and all those guys. And so anyways, I'm sitting up on the catwalk and here's some PJs are going through the, going through the house. They're getting pilted with simunitions and we're inducing casualties. We're saying, all right, you, you put a tourniquet on that leg, put a tourniquet on that arm. And, um, you know, it's dark, high stress, working with gloves. Yeah. And, um, they, they actually did not have NVGs on. And, um, and I sat up on the catwalk and, and I would watch the PJs have the same problem with a tourniquet that, that my, that my indage had. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where I was like, man, this isn't, this isn't a training issue. Yeah. This is a, this is a design issue. Oh, it's not training issue because those guys are highly trained, highly trained. Yeah. And they were at the end of the, of the pipeline. Yeah. So they, they were getting ready to go after their squadrons. And so they re and they were really motivated because yeah. they had something to prove. Cause this was kind of like the last thing. Yeah. Right. So, you know, from that point I said, man, you know, that's interesting. And, um, I, I started thinking about it and I, I was like, you know, there's gotta be something better out there. Yeah. And, and I started looking and at that time there wasn't, it was not a lot of information on the internet. Tourniquets were very edgy at, yeah. the, at the time. And, um, and one night I was, you know, and so I was playing with a couple of different designs and actually three patents came out of this whole <laughs> process. But, uh, one night I was watching a, a little girl was on TV, right? And she had a rubber band and she was wrapping that rubber band on her finger, right? And as she wrapped that band around her finger, that her finger turned blue, kind of like mine is now. Right. And um, I had that, I had that epiphanal moment where it was like, well, why can't I make up the width of a tourniquet with multiple wraps? Who says that I can't do that? So right. I, I was like, okay, back to looking to the past, right? Who's done it? Who's checked this so let me out? Let me ask before? you a quick question before that. Like, where, why does the width become even even a part of the conversation? Well, you know, I would argue that there's mounting evidence that that is um, there's mounting evidence to suggest that it it is a it's an urban myth yeah. that the that the width the width thing. There's, you need to be wide enough, but, but there's a growing group of evidence to suggest that you don't have to be that wide unless it depends on the tool that you're using, depending on the tool that you're using is where the width comes in. So if we talk about a, um, inflatable BP cuff that sometimes uses a tourniquet or they yeah. call it a, an ER tourniquet, you know, it's like that wide right. and it's fills up with air and it shuts that off. Um, and then all the way down to, um, another tourniquet that I just recently found, it's about as big around as my finger. Um, and it's elastic and it's narrow and you, they orthopedic surgeons use them on patients and they've actually, they, they have 1 million over 1 million uses using this tourniquet with no problem. So the problem that's always cited is they worry about tissue damage or neuro damage. Yeah. But now with, with this evidence that I've discovered, it, it doesn't support that theory. And, and the physics of it actually doesn't support that theory because the pressure is the pressure to shut off the, uh, to shut off the blood flow. Right. And so that pressure is either on the nerve for a narrow, very narrow area, or it's on the same amount of pressure as on the nerve for a widespread area. Yeah. So actually it, on paper, it would appear that wider over a wider over a neuro area could actually be causing more issues than if it was narrow. Remember, we still need to cut down the blood flow or stop the blood flow, the right. arterial blood flow. But, but the physics now, if you, if you look at it is, is going, well, wait a minute, 
we think this, but we don't know this. Yeah. So where is the proof? And and that's where these guys that have this narrow elastic tourniquet with over a million uses and no problems um, are, are making a very um, enticing, you know, argument for that. And so it's all about the, you know, showing the evidence, debating the evidence, yeah. and yeah. then and then um, and then going from there. So that's that whole Socratic. You know, let's let's argue, let's argue, let's debate the evidence or the merits of the evidence, but we don't we don't personally bash each other yeah. because that's ungentlemanly. That doesn't and it doesn't solve anything nor help anything. So, you know, there, there's the people that probably don't understand. You know, um, a tourniquet that's applied to applied. The fear was for so many years mm -hmm. was that they would have to lose their leg. Like you put a yeah. tourniquet on, like all right. You're going to save their life, but they're probably going to lose their yeah. life. And what, what is that whole? So that's, and that's completely, it's urban myth. So yeah. it, it, what that comes from is uh, the best that I've been able to figure out looking back through history, through studying is it comes from the civil war. And so what was happening in the civil war, obviously it started a little bit before that, but um, started in the civil war. And um, what was happening was guys were going in to the barn on one side and going out the other side of the barn, missing a leg or an arm or something. What, what they what they missed though was back in you know in the 1860s when we were having the Civil War we didn't we there was no such thing as a vascular surgeon so yeah. by nature of having an arterial wound you've got an artery that's been opened up it's been compromised by some way or completely severed right so somebody like the modern day miracle workers get in there and they sew that thing back together. And then they start closing the wound up and they debris all the dead tissue and all that stuff while they're going through. There was no level of expertise like that, not even going into germs and antibiotics. There was no level of expertise like that that existed back in the, in the 1800s. And in, the reality is that expertise didn't even come around until, we're, you know, like World War II is yeah. when they first started really kind of messing with that. And so maybe a little bit earlier, but not much because, because the problem was his infection. And so you had a higher chance of survival at that time. One, nobody could repair those arteries or those vessels if they were destroyed or compromised. And then two wounds have got to heal from kind of the inside out or else you create these chasms, which is what's generally believed. And so you've got this open weeping wound. And so you've got a higher incidence of infection that's going to take place and, you know, could potentially, you know, the infection was actually more deadly than the bullets yeah. themselves. And so uh, with that, that's where so many amputations came in. So this was a myth that permeated throughout the ages. However, that was one of the eureka moments for me with, with my tourniquet was I found a couple of, I found a study that was by a couple of surgeons in World War II and they were advocating using surgical tubing wrapped multiple times on a limb to stop the bleeding. And they were, you know, and essentially these guys were beating the drum saying, we've got to stop the bleeding because we're losing too many men on the battlefield. Yeah. And so surgical tubing wrapped multiple times, very simple. I think it was like they advocated like six or seven feet of surgical tubing, inexpensive, easy to use, teach you how to use it in about three seconds yeah. and send that out to the troops. And then, and then I had that, the confirmation of my idea was when I found a Canadian study where the Canadians were looking at tourniquets, the Canadians, um, this was pre-CAT, so the Canadians did not test the CAT in this because it was pre-CAT. And um, the Canadians found that the most effective tourniquet, it was the easiest to use, it was 100% for blood occlusion on arms and legs, and it was inexpensive, was surgical tubing wrapped multiple times. <laughs> and so that was that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, okay, so all I have to do is I've got to figure out how to make surgical tubing more secure, easier to use, more robust, and I've got to figure out a way to finish that thing off so that I can uh, overcome all of the stuff that they were saying in the studies where they had problems with surgical tubing. Right. And so, you know, two years and 26 prototypes later, and, you know, I figured out, I figured out securing it is, is essentially is, it's a trucker's hitch. So the, the end goes through the loop like this. It's very common. People try and open this up and put their arm through there. And I'll be the first to admit that will not work. Um, if you run that through there. So now you've got, you've got a two to one pull on yeah. this. And so now you've got that mechanical advantage and then you wrap this multiple times. And then this metal piece is a boat cleat. So this has been proven to be secure for about 2000 years. 
And so, and, and that's essentially it. So all I did was I got new and improved surgical tubing. It's solid, solid core and stretches, and it's got great rebound on it. But, um, and then, and then modified a boat cleat and made it work and boom, that's it. And then we took it out. We, I was like, all right, I've got this idea. I think, I think this could work. And, um, started testing it, tested it with, uh, tested it with Doppler, tested it, you know, with a pulse ox, obviously. Yeah. And it was like, okay, it, it works. And so I ended up licensing it out to, uh, to a defense, um, a de small defense vendor. Yeah. And they sold, I mean, we, you know, they sold thousands of those <laughs> things overseas to the Iraqis and to the, and to then the Afghans. And, um, and then about four years ago, uh, we launched that domestically and, um, and that's, that's when, once we launched this domestically, that's, that's when we started running into the social media drama. Why that, what is that? Why do you even think that even is, is it because now you're, there's competition. So does, you think this, this, you think this design is uh, scarce people? Well, um, I think it's a couple of different things. I think we've got a little bit of group think going on, you know, as Americans, Contrary to what we believe, we're, we're actually pretty resistant to change. We don't like to change. The yeah. Glock pistol is a great example of that. Yeah. Glock had to fight tooth and nail to uh, overcome, you know, the wind, the uh, revolvers that police officers were wearing. Um, you know, and so we get we get into these group things. We get stuck into what we'd like to do. I mean, geez, look at special operations. It's only been in the last, what, eight, eight years that they switched over from the 1911 to the Glock. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of guys are saying, why didn't we do this a long time ago? You know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, we get married, we get, we get emotional to, to different things that, you know, exist in our life. And then, so there, there was part of that. And then this thing is so incredibly different than, you know, the other tourniquet that was out there yeah. that I think it kind of threw some people for a loop where they were like, well, how can that doesn't look, yeah. it doesn't fit into the paradigm of my head. So how can it be what they're saying that it is? <laughs> well, there's two, there's two tourniquets out there that are pretty similar. They're similar, but they're not right. It's in the same, very similar look and everything. And then you got this, which yeah. is like. What is this? What, what, what is, is this? What is this wizardry? Yeah. And, and yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, the, you know, the, you know, I was getting some hate and it, and it was one of those things where it was like, Hey, that's fine. If you don't want to, yeah. if you don't want to buy my tourniquet, then that's fine. You know, have something else, just yeah. have one with you. That's that. See, that's my problem. This is my, my problem with like, you know, the tactical community itself when it comes to something new it's let me shit on it first as much as I can. And then eventually slowly, maybe I'll start researching it and find like, Oh, maybe there's something to that. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's the hardest part. Like I was a tech med instructor, a teacher, we instructor. I was a medic for uh, the border patrol for special operations and the four star team. Um, I carried two of these and I carried two cats with me. Um, because me as the medic, I just want to have options. You know yeah. what I mean? At the same time, um, I liked your product, you know, we we're friends and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to use it. And I believed in it. Um, and so there's always people saying, oh, no, 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 I'm only going to use this tourniquet. Oh, no, no, I'm only going to use it. I'm like, you know, do whatever you want. It's fine. The cool thing is when you start doing a lot of the research, when you actually start reading some of the links, you actually start doing checking out some of the studies. When you take the time to actually learn about something, that can raise some questions for you. And when it does, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Like, like for me as as a dude who's in charge of guys who, who are, is the medic of a team, I want to make sure that I'm providing the best training and as well as uh, uh, tools that I can bring to the table that's going to potentially save my dude's lives. And so who am I to say, I'm only going to trust one thing forever. Like that's crazy talk to me. Like, mm -hmm. I know I'm going to look and I'm going to go to different schools. I'm going to learn many, many different options. And then I'm going to choose which ones I feel is the best through my own. Yeah. I guess through my own studying, my own learning. And, and it is, I mean, it, the reality of, of saying one thing, it solves all the problems. Really, you stifle innovation. You, yeah. you really, you stop the evolutionary process of getting better and better and better. And, and that's really, that's what we should all be striving for. So for me, like I'm a, you know, I'm a, a survivalist prepper, right? Yeah. I, I run ready man, and which means by nature, you know, part, part, B of the, you know, of, of the, um, definition of like a prepper survivalist yeah. is a skeptic. Yeah. You question everything. I question everything. I'm, I'm the guy that I'm the guy that's standing in the back seat, you know, in the back row going, Hey, wait a minute. No, the, the government's not going to be here when there's a hurricane. Hey, no, the government's going to, they're going to be late for the flooding. We've got to be ready to take care of ourselves. That's the same way I raise my kids though. Well, you know what I mean? Great. My kids are like, my dad, my, my daughter's like, Hey dad, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know. Here's my opinion. Go look it up. 
make your own opinion. Go research that. Like, don't, don't believe everything everyone tells you. As soon as someone tells you something, like, okay, cool. That's what you're saying. Let me go look. Let me go research. Because if you don't, like, what are you? You're a lemming. You're like, hey, yeah. th- here's the truth. Believe that. My wife, my wife does that to me all the time. I'll come, I'll come up with some broad brush stroke yeah. thing. You know, we all do it, right? And um, I'll come up with some broad brush, brush stroke, you know, thing like, the, you know, this is this. And she's like, that doesn't sound right to me. And I'm like, no, it's true. And she's like, really? <laughs> Research. <laughs> She'll be like, no, 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 yeah. no, you're, no, you're close, but no, you're. That's mis- the same as me, lyrics to music. I always say, I always say the wrong lyric to music. I'm like, no, that, I'm sure you're pretty sure it's what it says. She goes, no, that's not what it says. But that's the crazy thing is like, I think we should be already in a, in a mindset where you question everything, yeah. especially in training and especially in, in a life or death situations. Why wouldn't you question every tactic, every option, every, every tool? Yeah. I don't understand that because for me, I want to make sure like raising kids again, you know, if I'm going to make sure I check the box on everything yeah. to make sure that they're safe and the same as <coughs> training soldiers, you know what I mean? And there, and that's how you get a deeper understanding, right? And, so, and backtracking to like when I was saying that, I, you know, I love to train American soldiers, you know, because they ask tough questions. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, why, why are we doing, why are we doing this? Especially guys that are in like, you know, that are other green berets, right. because, because it's like, you know, green berets are always questioning everything, yeah. you know? And so it's like, well, why, why I don't explain it to me, right. you know, and half the time they're just testing to see if you know what, what it is you're talking right. about, but it makes you stop and think. And when you, and when you question and when you go through and you research, you actually create a deeper understanding on your own, which makes you a better individual. And it all, and it all goes to debate, right? right? So the more that we can, the more that we can engage in gentlemanly debate, the better off we're all going to be. Yeah. So we, so we argue the data, we argue the methods, we can still argue the data. Yeah. There's nothing saying that we can't, we can go through, we can tear studies apart, right. you know, and we pull out our chunks and they pull out their chunks. And at the end of the day, we go, okay, well, that was a good discussion. Did we figure anything out? Because the, our country was founded on debate. The right. founding fathers were in a room. That's why the Declaration of Independence, how many rewrites did that thing go through? Yeah. Because they were arguing on where commas were going and where the, and same with the constitution of, I don't like that sentence. You need to, you need to put this over here. And it's like, well, it says the same thing. And, and somebody, you know, you'd have somebody like Sam Adams would be like, no, it doesn't say the same thing. You know, you got a guy that's like an attorney or something or a high intellect person. It's like, no, it doesn't say the same thing or no, it doesn't imply the same thing. We've got to move these around. And that's why there was such a huge gap between the declaration of independence and the constitution. And then there was a big gap between the constitution and the, and the uh, amendments, like the first amendment, second amendment, third amendment in, and as you go down, because, because there was this constant gentlemanly debate going back and forth about how things should be written. And they were following that method because that's how all of us progress. Well, it's crazy because I think we're right now in an age where there is very little progression in in dialogue, mm-hmm. right? You have the 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 news; they know what they're doing. They're going to go ahead, they're going to publish a picture, and they're going to put you know um, you know clickbait comment, right? Here, here's the tagline: "Oh my God, Trump did this," or "Oh my God, this happened." And what 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 do some people who don't even read the article go? Oh my God, that's fact. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to share it. And I'm going to say, I can't believe this mm-hmm. is true. And that is the saddest culture that we live in these days that no one's actually taking time to read, see if it's even a valid site. So there's people that share some of these satire pages and I'm laughing like, bro, yeah. do you not know that's the duffel blog, bro? <laughs> like, like that is a satire <laughs> and people believe it's, that it's fact, fact. Yeah. Because they haven't taken the time to study themselves. You know, my whole thing is like, I like to take three different opportunities to study the same thing from three different locations. And you know, at no time, should a cartoon or graphic art win an argument? There's not one instance, you know, there are very few nevers in life, right? But, but there is no instance that I'm aware of that like graphic art should be winning an argument. Yeah. You know, that is, that's, that's Stalin and Lenin's Russia. That's, that is, that is control of the mindless masses and it's wrong. Well, got any of you guys that are listening right now live or that are watching live, you guys are more than welcome to ask questions in the comments. I can read them and then we can answer them for you. If you guys have any questions with the rats tourniquet itself or any questions with, uh, with Jeff himself. And that's those of you who are watching this live currently right now. Um, no. And so right now there's a big debate on, on whether your tourniquet, you know, 
works compared to others and it's the best i mean you believe in your tourniquet yeah absolutely hands down it's it's like any other mechanical advice device right and so this this you know when i was putting this thing together i started thinking about it like an engineer you know when i was thinking about the problem of compressing tissue to stop blood flow yeah i approached it like an engineer and it was because it's an engineering problem i need to exert x amount of force over an area so that i can reliably and repeatedly shut down arterial blood flow Mm -hmm. and then i need to add to that i need to be able to do that same activity under stress. Right. So the sympathetic response goes through, adrenaline is dumping. I lose my technical and fine motor skills of my hands. You know, I've got I've got auditory exclusion. I'm getting focal of the how do I then say, okay, I can still do this stuff, especially when I'm scared in the dark. Yeah. And so it's an engineering problem that is then verified on the medical side. You are so intelligent. It's crazy. <laughs> you talk, I'm like, I don't know if some of my listeners are going to understand what you just said, but that's awesome. Um, so now what? So now you're in a position right now that yet you almost have to, to, you almost have to prove who you are for people just to respect your opinion. Well, what happened was about, about four months ago, um, the attacks against me, they stopped attacking. They stopped attacking an inanimate object they started attacking me personally. Yeah. And so, and the attacks, you know, in a social media, you know, playground crap. And, uh, and what was happening was it was the most profane, inappropriate attacks against me, my family, my friends, some of my dealers that sell my product where people were getting on there and bashing them using profanity and sexual innuendos. And it was, and it was completely, completely inappropriate, unbelievably inappropriate. Yeah. And there's, and, and that's where it's like, there's not one listener. There's not one of those people that are out there saying that I'm a bad person right now. Right. And I forgive them all because they don't have the whole story, but there's not one of them that if they had been pushed a fraction of how much I would have pushed, they wouldn't have gotten mad. And I, and I'll admit it. I got mad. I said, Uh, I said, Hey, you know what? You can, you can bash my product. You can bash my invention coming after me and my family and my friends that I won't stand for that. That's, that's uneducated. That's, that's, that's everything that's just, just bad in the world. Like, look, man, you don't like something. Go for, don't go for the person. Like Mm -hmm. I can't stand when people make fun of my chin. I get mad at that. So I'm sure you'd be pissed about people going attacking your family. Yeah. I got, I got, I'll tell you what, I got mad. And so what I did was I said, okay, what is the Holy cow? You know, so it was the standard issue tourniquet in the military because these guys kept bashing me saying, you know, you need to follow evidence-based medicine. You need to, you need to read the studies. And if you read the studies, you'd be smarter, right. you know, and, and to properly quote them, I'd need to stick in a whole bunch of, you know, profanity in there. And I, like the profanity was so bad that when I started backtracking who these people, they all hide behind an an- anonymous names. Yeah. They all hide behind anonymous names. Right. And so when I started backtracking who they were, because I mean, I used to look for people for a living, right? Yeah. And so it took me about two hours and I was like, oh, okay, I see who that person is. I was flabbergasted because like one of the main offenders was a female, highly, like highly trained surgeon that with a, with a fantastic background. And, and if you had heard, if you could read the comments, I'll show you the screenshots. If you read the comments, it would, it would make a sailor blush. It was unbelievable. So, so I got, I got mad. I got mad and I said, okay, okay. You want to play this game? Yeah. So I looked at all their hashtags and I bought all those hashtags as URLs. (laughs) And then I said, you guys are, say you're arguing evidence and you're so smart. Really? That's cool. Because what about all these studies right here that say that your sacred cow has spots? Yeah. If so, all of the same stuff they're saying about mine I was like, here you go, argue this evidence. And so what I had done naively had said I had thrown down the gauntlet. Now they're saying that I was trying to do a smear campaign yes. against North American Rescue. North American Rescue is worth over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. They are a massive corporation. Mm-hmm. They were just purchased by a huge investment firm. I mean, Rats Tourniquet is like me and four other dudes. Yeah. We're, we are a fly speck on the butt of yeah. that 500 pound gorilla. Right there. What are we going to do against North American rescue? That is absolutely ludicrous. And, and it's not, it's not directly coming from them. It's coming from other people outside that are obviously, and it's, and it's coming from, it's coming from these trolls that have latched onto it for, right. for whatever reason. And so 
what that what that site is, evidencebasedmedicine.com, what that site is, is me throwing down the gauntlet and saying, okay, smart guys, yeah, argue this evidence. Right. Justify all of this stuff here. Man, you would have thought, and and I, you know, I've got about had about 15 URLs. I was mad, you know, and looking yeah, back, yeah. it was kind of okay, maybe I went a little bored a little bit, but but I have like 15 URLs pointing towards that because it was like, I'm, it was like, Hey, you guys want to argue, you guys want to argue evidence-based against tourniquets. Here you go. Let's, let's, so you, you let's, have a website. let's engage in gentlemanly debate yeah. and, and discuss this. And boy, you would have thought that I had, you know, farted in church because it was, <laughs> well, people thought that you wrote some of these. Yeah. There were, I mean, I was accused of writing these studies. Some of I these was, studies come from like, just to be clear, some of these studies come from Harvard yeah, studies. So yeah, I mean, yeah. these studies come from legitimate locations. Yeah. You were able to find them there. There, let's see there. I've heard that I wrote them. I heard that I cherry picked the information. I heard that, uh, they were old outdated studies that I heard that they were studies by nobodies. And it was like, well, Okay, but Harvard University's two of them that are on there, and yeah. like the latest study I think is like 2017. Let me let me be clear. I've I've never publicly disparaged any other product. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. And you know, on a public forum or anywhere, the cat tourniquet is a phenomenal device that has saved thousands, thousands. of lives. Yes, the cat tourniquet is is a is a phenomenal device that changed the way that we looked at battlefield trauma and it made the community better. Yes. It made the community better. My argument is we can do better. We need to continue to progress. We right. need to continue to seek out innovation and ask the question of, is this the best we can do or can we do better? Right. And that was Jeff throwing down the gauntlet saying, Let's fix this yeah. so that we can get towards something that is better because we'll all, we will all benefit from that. 100%. But then, but then it turned into, it turned into an unbelievably disappointing bash fest uh, against me personally um, that the reality is it just tears down the whole community. It stifles innovation. You know how many messages since this started, you know how many messages I've received from other guys and gals that are veterans in the community yeah. that are like, Hey, I've got this product, but I see what's happening to you. And I'm scared to put it out there. Cause I'm afraid the community's going to oh, yeah, come they, after yeah, me. That's the weirdest thing. It's like, they can't, it's like people can't we even tend to eat our voice. own. Man. And it's, and the reality is we should be the strongest, most bound together, most promoting community that there is. We should be. Correct. We should be a force to be reckoned with. And we should be, but it, it's funny how it, it I, I wonder if the negativity and negative comments and everything else, all the bashing comes from fear, fear of that there might be you, there might be truth behind what you say, because there's no way that comes from any other place. You know, I was so, I was so disappointed. I was listening to a podcast from one of the you know, one of the guys that doesn't like me. And that's fine. And they're medical guys. But I was I was really disappointed when I heard. One of them say, hey, the tourniquet, the tourniquet question has been figured out. We can we just move on? Can we just stop talking about this? Mind you, this is a this is a device that came out like 12 years ago right. or actually longer ago. And it's like, come on. And they're like, well, there's been refinements. And it's like, okay, but there there's still some let's keep pushing. Let's keep right. pushing the the scope. Let's keep questioning. Let's open this up to debate. But a guy like me, nobody's going to debate the good, the bad, and the ugly, because they'll get attacked just right. like I was yeah. by the community. Oh, big, and it, big time. And it's, and it's unconscionable. I mean, that is the attacking like that. That is, that is the way of the socialist. That is the way of the communist. That is the way that it's, they shut up the competition. And when they can't win their argument through gentlemanly debate, Using facts, evidence, evidence and arguing, ev you can argue evidence and you can argue data and you can argue methodology, but when you can't argue that, what, what do they do? They attack you personally. And it's like, you know what? You're just a bad person. And so you must have a bad product. So I'm not going to support you, which is, is one of the things it's like, how many times have we seen that where it's, they, yeah. they attack them, they attack the man, but they, because they know they can't attack the product. It seems like a monopoly. And, and and nobody wants that to change for some reason. That's weird. Yeah, it is weird. That's that's really weird because like for me, 
like I said, I, I like to think outside the box in training and everything else. I, I hate the phrase like, oh, this is how it's always been done. That was for me is like in training when people say that, I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Don't yeah. say that because that means that no one's ever looked outside the box on this and see how can we improve it. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we stuck with the way that it's always been done, I mean, geez, how many, how many different examples can we think of that? It's like, well, that's the way it's always been done. Well, they like, I, I pulled up my latest blog article, right. Where I, when I was writing that about questioning everything, they used to think cigarettes were great for, for itchy, irritated throats. (laughs) They used to blow smoke, cigarette smoke in the ears of children because they thought that it would help with earaches. Yeah. They used to give, I've got posts that you can find them on the internet where it's like, Hey, babies should be drinking seven up because it's better than mother's milk. And I mean, <laughs> and let's go back. You're old enough, Rocco. Remember pre-war days? You came upon a trauma victim. The first thing you did was two large bore IVs, bolus the bags. You're right. Fluid resuscitation. And don't you dare think about using a tourniquet. Oh, yeah. It's, it's changed like and crazy. It, and it's done a complete role reversal, whereas now we don't do IV, IV resuscitation anymore because we're killing people. Yes, yes. It was bad science. We were killing people. And the first thing that we use, so IV fluid resuscitation is nowhere other yeah. than medication. IV re- fluid resuscitation is nowhere. And, and then tourniquets are the first thing that we do. We're talking we a, a complete yeah. flip yeah. of what we were talking about. And that was, when I was, that in was Rip, 20 years ago. When I was in RIP, we were, we were during our, our medical portion, you know, that's, that's indoctrinal ranger indoctrinal program. We mm-hmm. were putting IVs in. Now they're like, bullshit. Well, think about it. When I, when I did, when I started my trauma training, so yeah. I, I got certified as an EMT in like 1988 yeah. and then kept that up. And then the army sent me to EMT training again. And then they saw fit to send me a bunch of other trauma schools when I was going through there, you know, I was never blessed off on as a Back then it was a 91 alpha or I think it's a 68 whiskey now or something. Right. So I never, I never, I never got the MOS because I was already an 18 series and I was yeah. kind of like, whatever, but I spent plenty of time acting as the medic. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and with that, it, you think about how much time think about, I mean, it was an emphatic truth that you had to do IVs. Think yeah. about how much time when you got good at doing IVs in the light, you did IVs in the dark yep. with a flashlight. Yeah, and when you got good with that, then you started doing it with night vision. And then when you got good at that, then you do it in a vehicle moving down yep. a bumpy road. And then when you got good at that yep. and you were really high speed, then you did it in a helicopter right. flying around with NVGs on. We spent so much time and money on flawed science. Yeah. Flawed science. And so, and that was so calm was the one that came up with a study where they, you know, where they had the pigs and yeah. stuff and they figured out was well, this, oh my gosh, we're killing people. Yeah. We, we can't, we've got to stop with this fluid resuscitation. Yeah. So, and, and that's these long held, these long held myths like tourniquets, you know, tourniquets are brand new. Yeah. Even in the civilian side, four years ago, I was still running into people that were saying, if you use a tourniquet, you're going to lose the limb. Oh, there's there's still law enforcement officers now that don't even have them as, as issue. They have to buy them themselves. Yeah, we donate. Which is crazy. We donate. And my heart goes out to, you know, my law enforcement brothers and sisters. Like I was a police officer for for several years before I went back into yeah. doing the military stuff. I did the, and, I did the law enforcement thing as well. And, uh, yeah, peace <laughs> out. and we don't, we end up donating tourniquets to police officers all the time. Like I, I've got police officers that call me and, and I like, uh, it was probably eight months ago. I had a guy call me and he was like, dude, we don't even, he's like, do you have, do you have uh, discounts? And I was like, yeah, man, I talked to the guys on the yeah. phone. Right. And um, these guys didn't even have body armor. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it is 2018, bro. Yeah. You know, Cause it's like eight months ago. I was like, it's 2018, bro. You don't have body armor. And he's like, no, we can't get it because the city doesn't. Yeah. I talked to another guy. He hadn't been, he'd been on the job 15 years. He hadn't been to training in 15 years. No, he went through yeah. his initial training and then that was it. And it's a whole different topic, man, because that's something that, that is near and dear to me is the lack of training for, for guys. It, it's hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, because we, what's the first budget that's cut is oh, your yeah, training. training. Yeah. And, and so that's why we don't, we, we end up donating a lot to, no, it's good, to these man. guys you know, and gals. A lot of my board trading buddies, they, they themselves, um, they themselves know that I've, I've recommended a rat's tourniquet as well, because I mean, we're on the border, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes you're, you're on the border, you're about two hours away from sometimes an hour away from, from anything. So you yeah. want to be able to self-sustain yourself as much as you and your partner can. So, um, I don't know. There's a question right here about what's the yeah. shelf life for rats. You know, that, that's a good question. And, and 
to be honest with you, there's 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 nothing fancy about this yeah. thing. It's a it's a solid core of vulcanized rubber on the inside there. So I mean, it's essentially a car tire. Yeah, not quite as hard. Yeah, but think about that. So um, what we tell folks is. If, if the sheath on the outside, so this is a protective sheath, but it also is part of the magic of the of the tourniquet working. If this is frayed, we tell people, hey, if it's frayed, just throw it in your training box and yeah. um, and go to another one. And then if and then I say, hey, inspect the cleat up here. Mm-hmm. If there's any cracks in it or something like that because you sat on it and it twisted over or something, right. then just throw it in the training box yeah. and, uh, and get another one. I mean, or geez, just call me and we'll, you know, we'll replace it. And so. Yeah. So, I mean these rubber houses hold up in heat and cold and stuff like that. Fantastic. It's been, it's been tested up to two, you know, just over 200 degrees. And then, um, and then one of the special forces group, um, just took it down to negative 50 degrees. It lost its, uh, lost its elasticity, but it's still at negative 20 degrees. Yeah. They were still able to use it, but, um, so negative 50 and then they'd warm it up and bring it back to, so it actually, I mean, rubber's pretty, pretty bomber stuff. Right. right? And so, you know, when God was figuring out the, figuring out that stuff and then man, you know, we figured out the vulcanization process and, um, it's, it's pretty bomber. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's good. Um, man, uh, anything else, man? I I just think it's crazy to me because I wanted to make sure I given you the opportunity to have a platform to talk that's just outside of your own normal platform because of some of the crazy stuff that people were talking about. I'm like, man, people don't even know Jeff. Like, I know you. Some people said, you're like, he's only nice to you because you're Rocco. Like, no, you've been nice to me even before I was Rocco. <laughs> and so, you know, I really do appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your wisdom. Uh, you're not a guy that's just going to go out there and just put something out there and just, just call it call it gospel. You're going to actually do your research. You're going to you're going to put out something that you believe is is going to be good for the dudes. And and you're one of the guys that has one of the most genuine characters. You know what I mean? And people don't know that about you because you really don't put yourself out there. And I think that's why it's easy for people to question you. That's easy for people to talk shit on you. Easy to people to try and try and tarnish your name because they really don't know you. They just know the 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 man, the myth is is of Jeff is yeah. is not a guy that is known for being an outspoken person, known for being this big personality. And so I think it makes it easier for you to be a target for them. You know what I mean? And and so that's why I didn't think it was fair for 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 to watch all this stuff on social media and not be able to provide you an opportunity to to speak you know your opinion on it. I I appreciate it. I really do. And and um, you know the thing that's really giving me heart is um, a little bit of the questioning, not the bashing. There's a there's a secret group for you have to be a special forces dude to get in there and like X number of people or people got to vouch for you that yeah you, you know you've been a Green Beret. And um, there were some of the questions that came up in there and and the is people were like, anybody know this guy? And there are a bunch of dudes, um, from the special operation, from special forces that jumped on. I was like, I know Jeff. Yes. I know that guy. He's legit. Yeah. You know? And it was like, Oh, and to their credit, all of them were like, Oh, okay. Well, well, that's the thing is that, that you have a crazy resume, like crazy stuff. We can talk about stuff. We don't talk about, right. You have extensive history and I, I'm interested in seeing that book one day, right? You know what I mean? But I know your personality. You're not the guy that wants to do that book, right? You just, you're, you're not. And it's not fair, I think, to some of us who deserve to hear those stories, right? I think we, we, I think it's the time for us to start to know more about who Jeff Kirkham is and what he's done in, in, the, in the space where we can say. But at the same time, like, for you to get the credit, I believe you deserve, you know, people don't realize a lot of stuff you do, like just from donating tourniquets is one thing. I mean, you've done that by the thousands. I'm not even going to mention how Mm. much, but not even that, but like you've helped a lot of your Afghani friends that you've worked with overseas, you know, and and you've helped them uh, come to America. That's correct. Yeah. It helped them, helped them transition when they came here. And, and, um, we've actually, we've got a great, we've got a great, uh, uh, support network here. We have, um, 12 or 13 of my former commandos and yeah. some of the programs that we had that are living here in Salt Lake city, phenomenal individuals gave up everything because they were fighting for us in the United States. Um, Wally, if you've ever seen the black rifle coffee video about Wally, Vol- yeah, Wally's one of my, de- my dearest friends. We've known each other. I've known him since he was 18 years old. We worked together for years over in, um, in the counter terrorist unit. He's a phenomenal individual and, um, him and I, spend a bunch of time and 
you know, trying to help out these other guys that are coming through. Wally, Wally survived five close assassination attempts against him directly. The last one, they hit his vehicle 19 times with fire and somehow just did not hit him. And that's because he was... Because he was working for us. He was on the, he was targeted on the, uh, the Taliban Al-Qaeda um, assassination list. He was moving his family every month to, to stay ahead of him. And, and he finally, believed in our mission. He and he believed, believed in our, in our mission. mission. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he, sure he, he risked his life. He risked his family's life. He risked everything because he believed in our mission. And yeah. and now you're here. And, and I know, I'm not sure if you even wanted me to tell people that, but yeah, you're, you're helping support a lot of these guys come out here and transition into. And, and I find, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, satisfaction that goes into that. And then I get veterans that come here. I mean, I, I get a few veterans every month that, that come in, you know, onesies and that come in as like, Hey Jeff, I'm having a hard time. Can you chat? Because, you know, word's gotten out that I've got a bunch of combat experience and, um, and I'm, I'm adjusted. I'm fine. I don't yeah. have PTSD. There's no worries, you know, you just like to drink, I <laughs> <laughs> might drink, but, but, um, and, and so guys will come and, and actually I've had, um, I've had some civilians too, that have come in and said, man, you've, you went through all of this experience, you know, over years and years and years, how do you do it? And, and I'll sit and spend time with, you know, with these guys. And, and I do that, you know, on the, on the selfish side for me is it's, it's incredibly humbling, satisfying to serve, right. you know, my fellow man. And I really, 100%. I think that's, you know, and it all goes back to, you know, like all of this bashing and stuff out of all of this, the biggest thing that hurts me the most is that it, it hurts our, it hurts the community. We're, we're dragging the community down and we should be bolstering it. I'm a firm believer. Yeah. I'm a firm, firm believer in that the tide rises all ships. Yeah. I've got multiple yeah. companies that, that other companies that I help that you could argue are direct competitors against me. I just talked to one on the phone and I was like, Hey bro, whatever we can do to help you guys out. And that's the crazy thing is like, you know, would you say the community should be supportive of each other, but anyone who's spent time in the community as much as I have on social media knows it seems that we eat our own sometimes. And that's the most unfortunate thing about our community. It's like that we're competing with each other for no reason. I think there's, there's enough lanes in the game for everyone to eat, right? There's enough food for everyone to eat. And for some reason, insecurities in the space cause these, these issues that don't need to be there. Well, and, and I think too, there are those in the community that, um, are, are teaming up with us and yeah. you know, that we team up with them. So I don't want to, I don't want to be too broad brushstrokes. No, you know? no, for sure. But um, you know, like Jaeger is a great one. Like James, you know, was on his show last night. James is one of those guys from the community. He was the first guy from the tactical community when Evan and I were just trying to break away, yeah. you know, from the golden handcuffs of the federal government we're trying to break away. And, and James was the first guy. He flew out here to Utah to meet with us, to sit down and talk to us. And he was like, Hey, you guys, um, I just want to help. He's yeah. like, they don't teach you guys how to do business or any of that stuff. I, I made a lot of mistakes. I'm here to help you. I'll, I'll help you. You guys just ask. And he has steadfastly always done that. Always followed through with his word. He's never asked for anything in return. Yeah. He just wants to see the community rise. And he's another one of those guys who, who caught, you know, a negative backlash on social media and had to face it. And that guy has been so solid on here's who I am. Here's what I represent. If you don't like it. Who's, you know. and, and there's no doubt that what's coming out of James's mouth is what James believes. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't compromise his integrity for, for anything. He's a great American that, yeah. uh, and he fervently believes as do I, and, and you too, I, I fervently believe in the veteran community. Yeah. And I know that if we can, if we can get together, if we can bind together, you know, like a, you know, like a hand, then we'll all benefit yeah. and the tide will rise all of the ships, the ocean. It's not a zero sum game. And I hear this with other, I heard this from other people about <laughs> inventions and they were going, well, don't you think pretty much everything's been invented? Did you know that the U S patent and trademark office is receiving thousands of patent submissions every month, every month, thousands <clears throat> of patent submissions. And half of those are products, not software. At least half, if not more of those, are new widgets, new things that they're putting out there. 
And so there's this tremendous, we live in an amazing time right now to be an entrepreneur and to be a businessman. And I would argue that those that were in the military, if you, if you start up your own business, you start it up in your garage, right? Or start it up in your basement. And then when it takes on a life of its own, then you can quit your day-to-day job and, and follow your dream. But I think that people that are, that have been in the mill were better situated with the tools for launching, launching businesses. I think we, you know, that's kind of one of those military things. And so, and, and with that, that's where I'd say that's where guys like us step in, where I get phone calls nonstop and emails where it's like, Hey, what do you think about this? Jason, my business partner wrote a book about business called launch it. We've sent out geez, hundreds of those things to veterans and just regular folks too, where it's just like, yes, because the future of the United States is the small businessman. The future of the United States is the entrepreneur that's pushing things forward. The future of the United States is our innovation, our progression, and how we evolve to meet the market for meeting the needs of people that are out there. That's what gives me heart. And I'll tell you what, we live we live in an absolute amazing time. We awesome. do. It's unbelievable. Well, let me add last thing up. So we wrap this up. Anything else that you want to plug out there, you want to put out there and put your information so people can find you and ask questions. Yeah. I mean, guys, I mean, they've already, you know, the guys have put it up there on readyman.com and bradstourniquet.com. And then you guys can, uh, you guys can reach out to us. And, um, if you have any questions, you can email us if you, if you need, and that's not questions about, you don't have to email me about questions about my product. If you've got questions about, Hey, I'm interested in starting a business. I'm interested in something like this. I have a product. I get calls all the time because I've been through the patent process so many times and I get calls all the time from people are like, I don't even know where to start. I've got a great idea. I don't know where to start. I'm like, I I know who I can refer you to. He will talk to you. He'll tell you what, what he thinks. And I refer, I've referred hundreds of people over to my uh, patent firm and they're phenomenally, they're phenomenally honest guys that are over there. So that's my parting remark would be like, if you guys need help out there, just ask, I mean, come find us, find me, you know, rats tourniquet or ready man or jump on one, you know, the social media, media, ask me, I'll give you ask Rocco. And and I mean, if we'll bend over backwards to, to help especially, I mean, obviously I've got a bias towards the community, but we get regular Joes and get in Janes that come in and it's like, yeah, how, how can we help? Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Man. We're out of here. I did it. I did it.